Hi everyone, I'm extremely happy to welcome you to render my podcast. Before we jump into our first Q&A session, I want to thank you for being part of our Reboost family. It's an honor to have you as part of our community. And for those new to our community, Reboost Farm has been the trusted cloud rendering solution for 3D artists and studios of all levels for more than 17 years. Now, our goal with Render My Podcast is to bring you valuable information that will help you grow as a 3D artist and allow you to learn from the best in the industry. So, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode ever of Render My Podcast by Rebus Farm. This is our new session, our new podcast, and I know that you guys will have a lot of fun here. And there's no one better to start off this project than an incredible artist boasting years of experience and a wealth of knowledge to share. In 2014, he completed his first realistic 3D portrait. Over the years, he has come to understand that a portrait is much more than just a physical representation of someone. It's not simply the outer likeness, but a representation of the inner self. A portrait should reveal who someone is and what, what makes them human. He has been part of amazing films and series like The Mandalorian, Spider-Man, Far From Home, John Wick 3, Batman vs. Superman, and many more. His work is worldly known in the industry for his impressive skills creating character art. I'm talking about the one and only Mr. Ian Spriggs. Welcome to Render My Podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you here. Hi, Ian. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. I know we are going to have a lot of fun uh, and we are going to talk about yourself, your career, uh, your vision of the industry, because uh, we know that a lot of people may know you already, but you are uh, a true leader in the industry and we want to know your, your vision and your opinion on, on many stuff. So, so welcome again and thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, to start off this Q&A session, Ian, I wanted uh, for you to have, I don't know, like 20, 30 seconds and just present yourself, maybe something I didn't mention um, to the people that may may know you, but for those who don't know you yet, uh, who is Ian Spriggs? Okay, so yeah, most people know me as a portrait artist, like a digital character artist. Uh, I've been in the, the visual effects gaming industry for... Ooh, 18 years now. So I've worked at multiple different studios, ILM, Oat Studios, Mr. X, uh, Unity. Uh, but yeah, most of the stuff you've seen of my work is just my personal work. So all my digital portraits and digital characters are of my own creation and they're not for companies or anything. It's just my personal passion. And uh, yeah, so that's basically it. Okay, H how did you end up like working uh, in 3D? Uh, how, how did you start your, your journey and, and your career? Uh, well, I started my journey, uh, well, I've always been an artist. I've always drawn and did paintings and stuff. I, but I went to art school, uh, Alberta College of Art and Design in uh, Calgary, Alberta. So I took four years of schooling there. I got my BFA, uh, then I graduated. I could not get a job to at all anywhere for doing anything, especially art-related. Art and so I realized it's like, I, I want to get a job being creative. I got to uh, learn like the digital medium. So I ended up going back to school at Seneca uh, in Toronto 
And that one that just basically shifted all my art skills into the 3D skills. So it was, it was just like kind of learning a new tool. And then from that point, that's when I was able to get jobs. So I, my first job was at Stars Animation, working on their Veggie Tales. So it was, it was pretty fun. It was like some cartoony stuff to begin with. And I just kind of took off from there. And it's like, I've always been driven to characters and portraiture. I've always been drawing faces. And so in my industry, I slowly moved in more into the character related work. And then I just became more recognized for that. Were you expecting like such success when you started? Uh, <laughs> like, did you see like a future uh, full of uh, a lot of projects and a lot of success of uh, for your for yourself? No, not not at all. Like when I my first job paid thirty seven thousand dollars Canadian in a, a year, so really it's not that much. But I was honestly I was just happy. I was just like, this is amazing. Like. I've reached the, the heights of like, this is amazing. And I was just, I was happy with that. And so it's like, career wise, is I was like, yeah, as long as I can create and be, uh, make my artwork for a living, I mean, I, I've already made it successful. So for me, it's like, that's, I wasn't really thinking that I could go much higher than that. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I just created an artwork. Like, I wasn't expecting the results from it and the recognition for it. I was just like, I'm going to create this whether people like it or not. I was never making it for people. I was just making it because I wanted to do it. So I just, I guess, I guess it was just kind of lucky that I kind of, <laughs> people liked it and kind of got to where I am now. Okay. If you had to define like your career or, or yeah, like make it short uh, in a short sentence, what are those like three milestones or moments that you think defined your career? Uh, yeah, well, definitely choosing. To go into 3D was a defining moment. Going from 2D illustration drawing, moving my skill set to 3D, that was a defining moment because it just kickstarted my career. Uh, I'd say my first self-portrait, the one you mentioned in 2014, that was one of my second biggest career advancement because uh, I, I, I like doing characters, but usually in the visual effects industry, there's a lot of deadlines and schedules to be met so you always you never have the time to like push the characters as far as you can i was working at a company called mr x which i really liked and enjoyed but the deadlines got so tight that i felt like i could never fully commit to a character so i decided to take some time off just working on characters to see how far i could push it so i just took i quit took two or three months to do my self-portrait I was pretty happy with the results and I posted and I got a lot of recognition from that. And from doing that, I just, it felt amazing to me that I was able to create a portrait like that. And it kind of, that opened me up to being a portrait artist. Before that, I was a kind of a character artist, but at that, that was my turning point of being a portrait artist. Okay. And then the third one, yeah, I'm not too sure about the third one. I think uh, there's been so many, uh, steps for me like there's so many things which have happened for me to get to where i am like different jobs people i've met friends i've made along the way it's like each of us had their own defining moments okay do, do you think that uh deadline uh, the aspect of uh, having deadlines and it's so normal in the industry to like be under pressure uh, do you think that's like a limitation of your creativity for your creativity and your work or something you just have to deal with and to be part of the industry? 
Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta deal with it. I mean, yes, it limits your creativity, but you gotta realize working for a visual effects company, it's like they they're paying you to get something done on time. You don't own it. Like there's no part of that which you own. If they wanna take your creativity and just throw it in the garbage the next day, they're allowed to because they paid you. They they own whatever you built. So if you really want to have that creative freedom, you really need to just do it personal work and do it for yourself. So if you're working for a visual effects industry, you're gonna have deadlines, you're gonna have uh, tight schedules, you're gonna have, uh, you're gonna collaborate with people and you might not necessarily want to, but it's like you have no choice, you just gotta do it and realize that you've made a trade, your, your time for money. Okay, and having that in mind, what's your vision on like personal projects like even if you are hired by a vfx company or or another company in the industry what's your vision on like taking a, a little bit of free time and just keep creating and let your creativity go further and creating personal projects what's your vision on that i think it's uh, absolutely crucial to be honest with you i think it's probably the one, most important thing you can do uh Yeah, because it's like everything you do in the industry, you don't own it. And even if you did, even if you have something at the end of the day, like, hey, I created this, still like the director or art director or your lead is like, they've also been like guiding you and telling you how to fix things. And it's almost like you're helping build somebody else's vision. And so at the end of the day, it's like, you're just going to be showcasing somebody else's vision rather than your own vision. And it's your own vision, I find you really learn more about yourself, you push yourself more. Uh, it's like, as an artist, everybody wants to have their voice heard. And so the way you, you do that is by creating personal work. If you're working for somebody else, okay. you can get their voice heard. Okay. Um, in this part of the, of the Q&A session, I want to ask you some stuff about the industry in general it doesn't have to be uh landed uh, in just character art or vfx artist but 3d in general if you had to start your career today i mean your you your career starts literally tomorrow what's the first thing you would do that you think it will make you successful nowadays yeah that's a tough one it's just yeah it's difficult because there's like uh there's so many different style of jobs to take Um, I would honestly just say be uh, be creative, be original. Uh, do not be a people pleaser. Don't try and create a project or build something in a portfolio to make somebody else happy. Just do what makes you happy and push yourself to the absolute limit. Like dedicate a lot of time into it, uh, patience for yourself, uh, learn as much as you can, and then just try to create something and then hopefully the right people see what you've done and those are the companies which will hire you based on what you've built. Um, in the last couple of days, I was talking to to a friend. He's a 3D generalist in Rebus Farm. And uh, he said like the talent and skills is what makes you different in the, in the industry. Skills-wise, if you had to hire a 3D artist today, What skills do you think uh, will make their difference? What, what skills are you looking for for someone uh, in someone for today? Uh, well, it's, it's different things. Like if I was to hire a character artist, there's there's different options you could go for. Uh, I look for people who are like are able to push that last five percent, so to get outside the uncanny valley. Because as you're building a character, the first ninety percent of it 
it, it looks okay. And then you, all of a sudden you quickly go to the Uncanny Valley. And that last 5% is what gets you out of the Uncanny Valley. So it's like hyper-realistic believability. If you can find somebody who can know what the Uncanny Valley is and how to get past it, that's an asset because it's very hard to teach that stuff. Uh, if you're not at that point yet and you don't know, you've not got the skill sets to learn that, what I look for is somebody who can make that first 90% and but do it clean and it's like with no errors. There's a lot of times where I, somebody will do the first 90%, hand me off the asset, and then I'm just looking at the asset and it's got all the naming conventions are wrong, the groupings are wrong, it's got namespaces, uh, stretched UVs, and it's just like, it's, it sometimes will take more time to clean it up. So if you can't do that last 5%, at least do that first 90% flawlessly and just make sure that looks clean the best you can. So that's something else I'll look for as well. So just, yeah. Okay. And um, talking about portfolio, um, what, what do you think someone that is just starting that doesn't have like a personal brand uh, made up yet, uh, what should a portfolio of a 3D artist in 2023 look like or what should include and how to get clients just based in the portfolio? <clears throat> there's, yeah, there's a different approach. And my approach would just be like, build what you love. Because if you end up getting a job building what you love, you're just going to love it a lot more. So I would always say like, if you want to be a character artist, just build characters. If you want to be a model of cars, just model of cars. And then the company who's like, hey, we need to hire somebody who can model of cars. They'll be like, this guy's perfect. And then you end up getting a job doing what you love. But I know, I understand that sometimes that is not always the best case to actually get your foot in the door because some jobs might be like, no, no, we specifically want are looking for this. And you sometimes you might just need to get your foot in the door before you have those options. So you could always just see what the company is looking to hire. Like if they want a company, uh, companies looking for environment artists, maybe you could focus more on showcasing what you're capable of doing. But it's also it's like as long as you can be original uh, and show good quality and it's all clean, it's like that's more likely to get you your foot in the door. OK, uh, I don't know if you saw, but we asked for our social media followers to drop some questions for you for this Q&A session. Uh, they got like pretty technical. And we wanted to summarize uh, their questions uh, sure. in a bit. So what software do you use? Which softwares do you use? And in which part of the process? I, so I use Maya, Mudbox, uh, Photoshop, V-Ray. Uh, that's about, oh, like I say, Nald is like a, another program. Uh, sometimes if I use scans, Rap 3D, Rap 3. Uh, Sometimes ZBrush and then DaVinci is all for like posts, like videos work. Uh, okay. Maya Mudbox is my main ones. So I'll use Maya. I usually have a base mesh to begin with, which is rigged, and I'll pose it to the pose. Uh, take it to Mudbox for the sculpting, adding details, texturing, and then back to Maya for the uh, rendering, which I use V Ray. It's got amazing skin shaders, hair shaders. Uh, I just it works in with GPU, so you can render pretty quickly and get fast iterations. And then usually that's my those are my go-to ones. And then sometimes if I need to do any post-processing, 
still might just be in Photoshop, but it is very rare if I use those. Okay. What's your favorite part of the creation process? Maybe when it's finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's a you it's a roller coaster. Sometimes you start feeling good at one point, and you're like, oh, this is modeling is going great. And then you render it and you're like, oh, this is terrible. It sucks. So it usually doesn't look good until the very end. I find it's okay. like I find 3D is working backwards. Like as a painting, you kind of build up, you make it look better, 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 better. But 3D, it just looks terrible from the start. And you just it's almost like you're just trying to not to make it look terrible. And so you're like, oh, what looks wrong? So you're like, okay, the, the shoulder is off. So I'll fix the shoulder. What's next? Oh, the neck is wrong, fix the neck. The ear is wrong, fix the ear. And then you just you're fixing mistakes until you get the final result. Okay. Do you have any like recommendation or tip uh, for all the 3D artists hearing this uh, workflow-wise? Like, uh, do you recommend anything that maybe has worked for you that you changed from your workflow and helped you be more productive or anything? Uh, so yeah, there's some things which help me, but I also think it's important to realize that there is no specific one workflow. So a lot of times when I was first starting out building characters, I always assumed that there was this workflow that you got to do A, B, C, D. That's the correct way of doing it. And as I went through the industry, I realized it's like there is no correct way. It's just you do what you can to get to the final result. So some people like, like oh no, you can't use scans because it's like it's kind of cheating. But it's like for me, it's like even though I don't use scans, I still feel like whatever you can do to get to that final result fastest is probably just that's the right way to go. Uh, but I guess along the way, some of the things I've learned, uh, I found the program Nald to be pretty handy. It saved, saved some time. Nald is like uh, you can take a normal map into the program and it spits out cavity maps, height maps, and you can use all those maps to amplify the sculpt detail or amplify texture details. I used to do that in Photoshop, but now is just kind of a shortcut for that. Uh, I always take photo references in my work. So I've also learned that the better photo references I have, the easier things have been for me. So I used to take like a couple hundred photos per portrait. Now I take almost like a thousand photos <laughs> per portrait and just get every possible like lights Type. I have a, I do like a photo shoot where the person sat down. I'll do a 360. Then I do a 360 with a light turning around them. Uh, details of the skin, details of the eyes, hands, feet, all that stuff. And just get as much data as possible. So I try to eliminate guesswork as I'm doing my work. I think that's really helped me a lot. Okay. Uh, oh, GPU rendering has also helped. So fast iterations and stuff like that. Okay. Um, you mentioned this in the past, a few questions, but in the past few answers, sorry. But how do you remain like authentic in such a competitive space? Uh, how, how did you manage to have like your own voice or space or your own um, trademark? Uh, what do you think that that's the secret? I'm not sure if there's a secret to that. I think it's just... Uh... You kind of just got to do your own thing. Like you, I was saying before, you like, don't try to please people. Like, I think a lot of times when I do portraits, people would sometimes I get comments like, uh, 
oh, I can tell it's CG because the head is not quite right, or I can tell it's off because the mouth skin shade is not quite right, or, or something weird. And I'm like, but no, no comments would ever be on the emotion it evokes or the the mood the portrait is giving or the type of person it is. It'll never be about the, the artistic side or also be about the technical side. And I never really cared about the technical stuff. I mean, it's, the technical sort of supports my art, so I always focused on the art. And I think because I just focused on arts, I focused on like lighting, posing, composition, and trying to like tell a story. How can I express this human being in a way which really portrays him? So play around with different color lights or different types of poses and just different elements. So I've just been in a lot of exploration in that moment, like in those things. So I think exploration really helps drive stuff forward. Sometimes you fail and sometimes you succeed and the ones you fail that you also learn from that. You learn, like you learn that's not an avenue to, to, to go down and the ones that you succeed, you can be like, oh, okay, I'll go down here a little bit more and then I'll fail again, try something else. I think it's a lot of exploration. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you now just uh, questions that our followers uh, wrote for you in, in our social media channels. Uh, one is like really connected to the character art um how are you able to produce facial expressions that have character even when uh, there's like a relaxed face in in your portraits uh what what, what uh, they think that the, your portraits like look different from the usual generic pose mm -hmm. that's out there and how are you able to produce those facial expressions yeah so you got to realize uh your your face and eye, eyes especially they can never not be doing something so if you're gonna take a photo of like if you have a blank face and you take a photo of them in a photo studio for example they'll probably have an expression which is a little bit more serious but if you took a, a, another photo of them outside in a more relaxed environment they probably have a more chill expression because they they have a they're thinking and it's like whatever you think your eyes portray i mean your eyes and brain are basically connected so even when you have a static face doing nothing you're thinking of something so you've got to really think about what that subject is thinking about as you're creating it so even if it's just like hey i'm going to take a photo of you you're not doing anything the guy's probably or subject's probably thinking like okay i'm going to be sh i'm shy behind the camera or i can't wait for this this photo shoot to be over or i can't wait to go home, play video games, like there's something going on in his head and you have to, whatever that is in his head to, or her head, you better portray that into the portrait. So you can use a composition of lighting pose or whatever just to amplify that thought. Okay. Another question that popped up is, is it feasible to learn hyperrealism if I don't know, if I don't own a high-end machine? Like this is a... Uh, uh, a good question because I know in, in in a tech space, your gear and and your computer is uh, quite crucial. Uh, what's what's your opinion on that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think my first machine, I got it like uh, two thousand twelve. I spent like two and a half thousand dollars on it, which is not really that much for a machine anymore. But I think I did almost like all the portraits up to, I think two thousand eighteen. All the portraits from 2018 sooner were done on this machine, which was just, it took like 
an hour to render one frame, just like a 2K render of one frame would take me like hours. But it's just, I would watch like Game of Thrones on the side and press render, watch a little Game of Thrones and then go back to the render. And I was just, it just takes longer. And it's, it's a little bit more frustrating, but you can definitely do it. Okay. And I saved this for last, but I think this is one of the bigger controversies across like all industries. What's your opinion on AI? Uh, do you think it will um, take jobs from 3D artists or do you think there's there are processes that AI can actually help you do your work better? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult conversation because it's very unknown at this point in time. Like we all have a fear that the AI is gonna take our jobs, but we don't know exactly how and exactly how we're gonna have our creative freedom still. Like, how are we going to work with AI? Like maybe the future is like AI is really going to be worked hand in hand with artists. I think, yeah, but it's like AI could just take over entirely and we lose complete creative control. Uh, it's kind of difficult to say at this point. I think it could really help artists. It will open up a door uh, to new possibilities. Uh, if you think about art history and how uh, photography came out, uh, photography was able to do what paintings weren't able to do. Paintings always are trying to achieve photorealism or hyper-realistic, believable humans. And all of a sudden, photography came out. And all of a sudden, now you have a 100% photorealistic, super-realistic person. And people are like, well, now what's the point of painting anymore? Because you can just recreate people exactly one-to-one. -one. And what happened at that point was uh, expressionism was invented, cubism was invented, all these new avenues of art were exploded. And it's like this, they discovered a way that what photography could not do. And I think AI, we're going to do the same thing. I think we're going to, uh, it's going to take away some of the creativity aspects of things. But as humans, we're going to discover new possible possibilities of something AI can't do. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough road. I think you're gonna to have to learn to adapt, learn to grow, learn to uh, implement it into the workflows, and just see what happens. Okay, in that sense, what what do you think the future of the 3D industry looks like? Like, are you able to to make a like a prediction from now to five years? Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to say because I know AI is it's pretty it's moving pretty quick, but it's still not taking over any jo like any jobs in the visual effects industry yet. Because I'm still my work is still relevant. People still need digital humans. Uh, I don't know when the takeover would be. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say in five years because even five years ago, it was like the industry even without AI, the industry has been growing so fast. I remember in scanning stuff came out, I thought that was going to be the end of my career because it was like, well, nobody's going to want me to build a character when they just scan a character. Then I realized it's like, oh, no, like scanning is not taking over. It's just made things a little bit easier for uh, uh, for clients and make things more believable for like everybody over, like throughout the industry. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not quite sure how it's going to turn out. I think one thing I'm concerned about, I'll say for sure, is I don't want people to lose the skill and talent because I know you can just prompt 
an image now. And I think if you can just prompt something instead of creating something, I think there might be a, a, a huge loss of talent and skill. And so I think that might that skill and talent might become more of a commodity. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, for this part, I'm going to move uh, to some happier topics, like <laughs> the movies that that you've worked for. Um, when when you started, like, what was the first movie you ever worked for? Uh, Veggie Tales. It was okay. a, like for uh, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. Okay, yeah. and uh, being it uh, like your first experience, when when did you know that you wanted to work in a second one and a third one? Well, I just well, having a job being being able to make art for a living. I was like, I don't care if it's Veggie Tales or, or what. That's just like it's fun to work on. So I was yeah, I went from Veggie Tales and then I worked on Nine. I'm, I'm not sure if you remember that one. Uh, it's a Shane Echo film. And then after that, I worked on Nomeo and Juliet. And then uh, okay. I moved on to like the real, like, I went, then after that, I went to Mr. X and worked on like Resident Evil and some of those terrible B movies. But those are just yeah. real well. It's just it's an mm -hmm. enjoyable ride. It's making more for me. Are you a movie fan? Like, do you watch a lot of movies? Yeah, quite a bit. What was the first one if that happened already that you were like, oh my God, I'm going to be working in this movie? Um, not quite sure. Yeah, like there's a lot of times I'm like, oh, I'm working on this movie. This is going to be amazing. I think Pacific Rim, I was like super stoked to work on that one. But then once I started working on it, I got somehow I got stuck into being a previous artist and I was like, oh, this is not fun. <laughs> so even though I was super stoked to work on the movie, it wasn't a good, I was, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. I think, yeah, I think I would care more about an, an enjoyable experience than working on a good movie. Okay. Um, for this, uh, this was the little surprise, not that big. Is <laughs> a lighting round. I'm going to ask you six questions and you just have to answer with whatever popped in your mind first it had it can oh. be like a three second answer it, it doesn't matter okay so um, name one thing that inspires you art first 3d audit that pops in your mind right now uh probably marco deluca project you feel the most proud of uh one of my probably my second self-portrait or you feel the less proud of? Uh, probably one of the early portraits I did. One of the earlier ones. Uh, Movie that you always wanted to work in? I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't have one for that one. I think like some things like Avatar would be cool to work in, but then it's like I don't want to spend all that time. I'd rather just do something more enjoyable where I'm more sick. Okay, and one unexpected hobby of Ian Springs. Uh, I quite enjoyed boxing. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite unexpected. Yeah, yeah. When I was at Oats Studios, they set up a boxing class during lunchtime, and so we would just go. It wasn't real boxing; it was just like training, just like uh, sparring and doing push-ups and stuff. But I really enjoyed it. I've not done it in a few years, but I really enjoyed it. Who's your best friend? Like, 
in the industry, like someone that you met uh, working and had like still is your friend or? Oh, there's so many people. Uh, Sean Schoen is one of my good friends. He works at Unity. He's been really helpful, just like technically wise, artistic wise. He's really helped out. Uh, Neil Blomkamp, uh, director of District Nine, he was a good friend. Uh, working with him has been amazing. I ended up working with uh, Carl Lynch for a bit. That was a fun and crazy experience. I really enjoyed that. I think, yeah, that's that's oh Kim Jung Ji I met. Like he was an amazing person. I honestly like I've got so many people and friends who have. Influenced. That's why I do so many portraits because I just <laughs> like I was like everybody who influences me. I try to do a portrait of them. So all the portraits you see of people are pro mostly people who have influenced me in the industry. Um, are there are those like gifts in sometimes, or just work? I uh, usually just work. Usually, if I'm like, hey, like this person has influenced me, whether in the industry or within life, I'll try and do a portrait of them. Okay. Um, I heard, like, uh, in a past interview or podcast you had, like, you get a lot of inspiration uh, from art. You actually just answered art. Uh, why uh, do you think that happens? Like, you find inspiration there, and what would you recommend to people uh, or to 3D artists that need some inspiration? What, what's like a good exercise to do? So yeah, so why I get inspiration from art? I mean, for me, like the Renaissance period, like Caravaggio, Rembrandt, it's just like they painted stuff, and I also I think it's just perfect. It's just like you look at their work, and it's just like they were like the peak of uh, like art i find in my opinion and i was just like i can look at it and just be like i don't even know how they can be so creative make something so beautiful and like the skill set and talents you have to have to create something like that is just it's just like mind-boggling and so i've always been trying to figure out why i like it and like how did they get to that point how can i take from them and put it into my own work And I think that maybe to find inspiration, you just got to find something which stands out to you. But when you when you look at it, try and understand why you like it. Don't just be like, oh, I like this painting. But like, why? Ask those questions. Why do you like it? Do you like it because of the composition? Because the story? Like, what what part of that thing speaks to you? And how can you take that inspiration you took from that and put it into your own work? Okay. Okay. Um, this is an out of context question. I actually just asked one of the filmmakers here uh, in the building to ask you something. He actually uh, doesn't know who I'm talking with. So he just asked, what's your favorite food? Probably salmon. Salmon and salad. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And since you're the first, like... Um, guest of render my podcast uh i want uh to give you like please give us a question to ask to the next uh guest um we don't we don't have it confirmed yet but uh, just like an out of context question to the next guest an out of context question uh, <laughs> um what are the favorite artists what are the top three artists yeah what are the top three artists Whether it's living alive or. Okay. Yeah. Can you answer that? <laughs> I'm interested now. 
Uh, I think Rembrandt would be one of my favorites. Caravaggio, um, Ron Muick is pretty good. Uh, Anthony Golmi is pretty good. Um, yeah, that's, I just, there's so many. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah, Marco Barilla is pretty good, pretty good as well. Yeah, this it just it depends it's like what mood I'm in. There's so much good art out there. They all have a different. It's like reading a book. Sometimes like this book. Sometimes like that book. It's just. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, in your free time, what what do you enjoy doing? Like, what's something that you would do if you had like I don't know like a week of free time? I'd probably do another portrait. I think. Okay. Yeah. Do you have it in mind already, or just a portrait in general? Uh, yeah, my next portrait is probably going to be of that artist, uh, Woodkid. Okay. Uh, he did a whole bunch of soundtracks for Arkane. He came out, I went to his concert, like, was it 10 years ago? And I was just like, wow, this guy is amazing. And I just loved the concert. And then just randomly, I ended up meeting up with him, and we hooked up. I became friends with him, and then I was like, hey, let me do your portrait. So I'm going to do his portrait next. Okay. In Render My Podcast, we are also creating like a playlist. Uh, do you recommend like any song to get, I don't know, something? I, I don't know if you work while listening to music, uh, but if you do or if you don't, what song we should include? Oh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, let me just check my Spotify. Hold on a second. What do I have on my Spotify? Like each week is something different. Did you did you get to check like your Spotify Wrapped, the like, the most listened to artist in the whole year? I usually I don't like that stuff. Usually I'm not a big fan of like the most liked popular stuff. I have I usually just go to the Discover Weekly, and so anytime you like okay. a song, they'll make a playlist for you for Discover Weekly. And so oh actually you know what I do like one song I do like I can't remember the name of it. Uh, How do you pronounce this? Clang Carousel, uh, the given uh, Ghostkeeper. Yeah, okay. I mean, you remember this one? You remember that one? Yeah, I put it. I put it on my latest portrait because I was like, "This is a cool song. It makes me want to." <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think people will like that. This is the first song in the playlist. Yeah, yeah. it's quite. <laughs> Gets you, gets you, gets your mind going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ian, thank you very much for being here. I mean, it's a pleasure, man, and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, if there's something that you want to say to the first uh, audience that hears this podcast, uh, the mic is yours. Is all yours. Uh, well, yeah, just I don't know. Thanks for listening and thanks for asking the questions. Uh, Yeah, I know there's a lot of people coming into this industry which probably have a lot more questions and just, yeah, I just probably just, I don't know, just make sure to be creative, be yourself, and try to have fun. Don't be so stressed about the industry and all that. Okay. Thank you very much, Ian. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. So, guys, ES Pricks, everybody, uh, it was a pleasure to have him here. And... Hopefully, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and see you in the next one. Bye-bye.